Welcome to the Power of Makeup podcast. Today, your host, Lan, is joined by presenter, model, and self care advocate, Lisa Snowden. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on my very first podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you for asking me. So proud of you. This is amazing. Oh, no. It's just like, you know, we've collaborated for so long, and you're just like, such an amazing client and also friend and I learned so much from you as well actually um likewise all your requests you know for makeup and things and you know everyone knows you as a you know Lisa Snowden the model and presenter and um obviously you've done so many things and won awards for your radio and stuff but what I really uh, have brought you on here is because you know my podcast about power of makeup you are Still one of those legends around um, <laughs> that always talks and appreciates makeup and self-care and looking after yourself. So I just want to bring you back to your childhood memory or that first point where you realized um, makeup was your best friend or you need makeup or who influenced you, you know, before modeling, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before modeling. Well, my grandma always had so my nana her name was Nora she always had her nails done she would always do her nails every week so she was always immaculate um you know accessorized up beautiful accessories always lipstick whenever she left the house so she's always one of my main inspirations um somebody that I remember you know, who, who just was always had it together she always smelled beautiful she had a ponds cold cream you know she had a little ritual of self-care um but then also my auntie so my auntie peppy so my dad's um oldest brother um his wife my auntie peppy she worked at kanibo kanibo counter so in a beautiful japanese beauty yes. brand and she used to come home and when i used to go and save my cousin and she'd always bring samples home so like really beautiful like creams and lovely face cloths and all just and so I got really obsessed with sort of beauty and potions and lotions at a young age and then I remember my mum's makeup bag on the side in the um in the bathroom and I remember getting the tweezers out one day and it was it was back you know in the 80s so we'd yeah or a little bit overzealous with the plucking of the eyebrows. And I remember plucking my eyebrows just, I was 11, and I just gave my brows a restyle completely. And they were, I, <laughs> I did a bit of a number on them, so they were really skinny. Um, and then, like, a few days later, I had my passport picture that needed to be done. And so I had, for, like, <laughs> 10 years, this, like, 11-year-old kid um, with these really, really overplucked eyebrows. Um, I've still got the picture. I can take it. I can, I can show you as photographic evidence. But so that was my first kind of foray into like makeup and beauty. And, you know, I just, I've, I've just always loved it. And then I did loads of dance competitions. So I had this like makeup book and I used to copy the makeup um, and then and, and draw it on myself and this was like 10 11 12 13 14 so I had like really like kind of I really went for it um, and I really used to love drawing the faces from the books and creating all the makeup looks so I've always really loved makeup like it's always been something that I've been massively attracted to um, and what did you um, learn from the makeup like are you still are you still using those techniques that you learned? Or, you know, what was what was it? Or did you do loads of like crazy stuff? Because I it know that crazy. when I did it, I just 
did yeah. the 80s, I was in the 80s, um, wings yeah. and glitter and yeah. I used yeah, a yeah. lot of green and oh, when I think about it this. Was, oh. It was the same sort of thing. So it was yeah. like, you remember when Toya used to do all like the birds on her face yeah. and it was all very 80s and like Gary Newman and Adam Mann. And so it was all, you know, like Boy George Culture Club. It was mm. all like, that was a little bit more subtle. Back in the day, it was like a big, huge eye with like, you know, a black line that would like wing straight out, but also come down the nose. And it was always really you know sort of abstract and very kind of quite quirky mm. makeup so it definitely wasn't your everyday kind of look it was much more theatrical much more sort of like you know just stage kind of makeup did you do um, that just for like sort of just for fun or yeah. was there an element of um image conscious and being you know quite aware of people looking at you were you tall mm. when you were a kid like you know did no, I, I definitely didn't like? wear it out. The only time I did it was I was at home and I just used to really enjoy playing around mm. with it. You know, I'd, I'd copy the makeup from the books and then I would I would draw it as well. And then I'd draw it on, on you know, paint it or draw it. And then I'd also draw it on my face. So I really liked that way to be creative as an outlet. Um, and then when I did the odd competition, I would then kind of maybe add a little bit of this look to my face. But I definitely didn't wear it out and about um, in the street. When I was yeah. out and about in the street, it was always like turquoise eyeliner, toilet teaser, Miss Selfridge lipstick. It was like a yeah. bit of a shimmer. It was a bit more understated. Oh. But um, yeah, but, I, but I've always loved makeup. I've always loved colour. And I've always yeah. just loved the whole sort of um, the artistry of it. Mm. You know, it's always appealed to me. It makes sense now because you always dive into kits don't you you're always asking yeah, about products yeah. and your yeah. product knowledge is is brilliant um was there any sort of what was the dream at that point in your life I wanted to be a dancer so I wanted to be on stage and I and I really loved films like Flashdance and Fame and all of those those kind of films and then I went to see Cats the musical and so I think it's a little bit of that like mm. you know because the makeup on, in Cats was just incredible so I loved that whole theatrical performance and everything that goes with it you know the music the lights the costumes the make everything so I've always been attracted to that kind of performance side um of the arts I guess so that was what I really wanted to do and then I ended up going to stage school for a couple of years from the age of 14 to 16 so I was in performing arts school in London and um that was really great but then I discovered that I wasn't that good a dancer and that it probably wasn't going to be a career that I would make any money out of so I sort of started to kind of rethink what I was going to do but you did go on Strictly and you came third, didn't you? I did, so I did, I did. It did. did. It did come back to help you to win that, yeah, you know, that competition, no? I, I think it's really good to have some sort of training. Um, you know, even if, it, I don't know, you know, I always loved it as a little girl, like ballet dancing and things like that. And I, and, and I was quite good. I just wasn't professional good. And I think it's definitely stood me in good uh it, it, it was it was good training and good learning for modeling because it gives you that grace that poise it, it, it enables you to be a little bit more coordinated you know I still love movement I think it's massively important so it's um it's something that I'm definitely happy I did um and yeah Strictly was good but I did get dragged around the dance floor by my partner and he was a professional so I can't take much credit for that I mean he was amazing but yeah I, I remembered a few a few little skills from back in the day <laughs> amazing and then how did you get into the modeling side obviously you were exposed you know from all the dancing what you know transition did you have did you have to give up dancing for the modeling or you know because you you were in vogue and you traveled around the world so 
You're yeah, still so quite I young. got scouted when I was I was about fifteen, and I was still at school, and I got scouted to be a model, and I did a photo shoot, and I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, and a lot of the girls at stage school, because some of the ones that were were London based, were actually already modelling, and they were just absolutely beautiful. I mean, I was just like, oh my god, she's a model. You know, it was like then you're like, she's a model, and I'd never considered that as a career. It was like dancing was the thing for me, being on stage, being in Cats, you know, something like that. Um, and then I remember um, I did the photo shoot, felt like I was a bit too young at 15. So I kind of walked away from it. And then I started doing TV commercials because at the top of the school, they had an agency. So they would put you up for jobs. And I ended up doing like a few little commercials. And I sort of thought, I actually quite like this. You know, I quite like being behind the camera and like, you know, it was quite fun. Um, and then um, slowly but surely, my love of and my desire to dance kind of drifted away and um, I ended up sort of not really enjoying being at the, at the school anymore and I just kind of wanted to get out into the world and do something else and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do and then I got scouted again a few years later um, at a rave I was at a party and I met a, an amazing woman called Lindsay and, she, and I was just like dancing on my cap on she was like excuse me Anyway, she ended up like getting my attention. We ended up having a conversation, albeit like very shouty because it was very loud. Yeah. And she gave me her card and she was like, come and see me. I'd love to represent you. So um, I sort of, a couple, couple of weeks later, I went back and um, I went into London and I did an appointment with her and she was like, do you want to, you know, do you want to sign with us? And I ended up signing and it was a very small agency. And um, that was where my career as a model sort of kicked off. Yeah. I mean, like, what did your family think about that? Because well, now you're elevating to a different sort of limelight, aren't you? My my family were a bit like, what? who was this person that gave you the card? What is going on? And then for the first kind of six months, I had to keep asking my dad for money to get the train into London every day. And he'd give me a fiver and he'd be like, for God's sake, Lisa, you need to get a proper job. You know, what is this mm. modelling business? You know, I have to give you money every day. And I'm like, no, 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 I promise you. It's, I'm just laying down the groundwork. I'm going on my castings. This is going to be fine. And he didn't quite understand it. I don't think he, anybody understood it really. And then I started booking work jobs and the rest is history. And I remember saying to my dad, you know, I'm buying a house now. And then I'm like, <laughs> you know, it was just like, it was, it was amazing. And um, because he's very sort of logical, sensible, he was in pensions yeah. and life insurance and, and all of this sort of stuff. So I had that sort of sensible side. So I mm. knew that I needed to start saving and putting money away and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it was kind of funny when I remember him saying you need to get a proper job and then me going, buying a house so it was like a really lovely kind of moment where I felt very proud of myself yeah that's you know what I think that sort of crosses over in a lot of our industry isn't it as a creative like in hair in makeup in fashion and styling we're told all the time get a proper job you know so in terms of what was your sort of motivation um you know obviously you believed in it or were you just excited about it but if there's young girls listening you know and having the opportunity I mean it's a different kettle of fish now but you know yeah. what what do you think like helped you sort of push through you know was it confidence well, I, or the fact that you were quite you know always into fashion and stuff that you did you weren't bothered or you know you didn't have any image no, issues or anything do you know like what it just reminded yeah. me when I was when I was at a telecontin I was going to school every day and I was getting off the tube because I travel in from Hertfordshire and I'd mm. get on the train get on the tube and I remember this amazing picture of Christy Turlington on the cover of Vogue and it was at the news agents and you know when they print them out and they put them like standing up like a, a bigger cover and I just remember and I was just like 
literally fell in love with Christy Turnit and I was just like, oh my God, she is like the most perfect, symmetrical, gorgeous goddess. And she was in a Versace catsuit and she was just like, and I was just like, and they, I was about 18 and I was like, okay, I need, maybe, maybe I should go back to the modeling lark. And then it all kind of, and then I got scouted when I was about 18, 19 and it all sort of fell into place. And I think my inspiration at that point was once I sort of had a taste for it, I wanted to, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to have that freedom. I wanted to, I wanted to make myself proud. I wanted to make my family proud. And then I sort of really enjoyed the creative process of being on the shoot and learning and, you know, makeup and fashion. And it was just a really exciting way, an exciting job. And then I started getting paid for it. So I was like, okay, well, look, hang on a minute. I'm actually enjoying it. So I think that that was my inspiration. But I think wanting to be independent and do something that I felt was creative, um, and the people I was meeting were just so cool. It was just like nothing else I'd ever experienced. It was just a really, and I got to travel. You know, there was nothing that I didn't enjoy about it. Well, except I was quite homesick sometimes. That was the only thing. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, like, you know, when you take on something like that, um, what is the sacrifice or, you know, what's mm. the what's the pros and cons? Because anyone looking on the outside would go, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's glamorous traveling the world, you know. But with everything that looks so good on the outside, there's always you know, not so good things on the inside. So what sort of things did you have to overcome? So I had to overcome, I I remember being at at the airport, I was at Heathrow and it was like day, because you used to go on direct bookings to sort of Paris, Milan, come home for the night, go for two nights, come back. And I remember being at the airport and it was like, I'd been at at Heathrow three times that week and I was just like having almost like a panic attack. And it was back in the day with the, uh, you know, nobody had mobile phones. This is like 30 years ago. And I was at a payphone. I just remember sobbing and I was on the phone to my mom just going, I just don't want to do this. I want to come home, you know. And it was just things like I just had moments of that where I, I, I had to, you know, on a, I'd miss my birthday because I had a job or like I'd, or I had to cut Christmas short because I had to go travel somewhere, you know. And it's like, yes, it was incredible, but there were big sacrifices, absolutely. And going to Japan when I was 19 and you can't come home from Japan, you know, it's like you've got a contract. And so I had a three month contract and, you know, it's, it's another world. And so things like that were extremely exciting and enticing, but at the same time, very daunting. When I arrived, it was like another world and I was on my own and I had to fend for myself. And so, you know, it's, um, there's definitely sacrifices, but it's, but it's worth it because, you know, the fact that I couldn't come home, I had to, grow up a bit more Mm. quickly and you know it was such an incredible experience when I look back you know culturally it was just just phenomenal and it's sort of you know that's where my love affair for Japan just obviously started and it's just flourished throughout the years so I've got a real affinity for Japan and everything and (laughs) everything about it culture food like people so um it was magical at the same time but extremely scary when you're on your way there and you're like shit what am I doing yeah um and you know that that one thing that always interests me obviously you travel the world and one thing about like models I'm always interested in is like when people are touching you you know like Mm. your face and hair and well let's talk about the makeup because I'm a makeup artist I want to know like what makes you know how do you feel when someone you know is doing your makeup is obviously you learned a lot and people's touches are different you know you know, what makes them stand out to you? You know, have you got any like 
bad or good story. That's, you can tell, you can tell when somebody's a natural, like straight away, you can tell, you can tell the way that they like move your hair away from your face or maybe tie it away. Like if they clean their hands first, you know, by the temperature of the hand, sometimes people's hands are clammy or they're a bit, you know, and that's not always nice or, you know, just by the way everything's laid out, you know, the, the sort of cleanliness, the hygiene, the organization um, and the way they prep the skin before you, just put makeup you know it's like there's a process mm. and it's I think the 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 higher quality or the better yeah. makeup artists that I've worked with mm -hmm. always have that everything's tidy you know uh the hands are clean the the skin start is prepped you know maybe there's some massage involved or like you know you put the eye things on me you know there's mm -hmm. there's always um a process and it's not just right let's get the base on you know it's like what's what have you got on your skin already do we need to prep the skin you know it's like a, it's conversation and it's uh you can just tell you can tell you can tell by the way somebody just holds your moves your hair whether they're gonna whether they've got that special skill you know um whether it's going to be really heavy-handed um or if it's going to be more of a a beautiful delicate creation because that's what I think makeup is because I just love watching mm. and I love like I love it if there's a mirror there like I love old school studios so you've got the mirror you've got the lights you can see what's going on and so it's always fascinated me you know the way you just put a bit of eyeshadow in to really open the eyes or you know just the eyebrows you know I'm a big eyebrow eyelash you know eye person you know I am I love yeah. my eyes not mine but I love the eyes and yeah I love the lashes and I love the brows and I just think it's such a it changes the shape of your face it can change you so much and so it's um I love that process I I actually really like being touched good yeah. job really <laughs> so yeah. like, it doesn't bother me like when people mm. are fiddling like I yeah. don't mind that um but yeah, you can tell, especially you can tell with makeup, you can tell with hair. When somebody starts brushing your hair, you can tell whether yeah. they're going to like. Yeah, you're you know, very, um, you're very vocal. And, you know, what do you say <laughs> to people who say like, oh, you're a model, you get paid to sit there, you know, don't speak. You know, what do you say to that? Did you ever have those sort of scenarios where people just treated you like a piece of meat, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like you're you're the you're the product. So at this, you know, back in the day when it was Polaroids and you'd be mm. on set. See, now I find it a much more of a collaborative thing. Back in the day, it was you get me ready. I'm in the makeup room. Somebody does my hair. Put me in the clothes. Don't even really have a choice about whether I like the clothes. You know, I'm like squished into something, and I'm a bit like, oh, it doesn't feel very good. And if it doesn't feel very good, you don't look very good. You don't like. You're not going to be able to turn it on that's my experience from it so I'd get onto the set and I'd be all like trussled up and then there was photographers assistants and it's just loads of people it's always like 20 30 people it was always such a big set and you know you they take the picture and then you'd wait for the Polaroid to develop and then they and then they'd all be hurrying around this Polaroid and, like, and you'd be like standing miles away going oh I, yeah. oh, I don't feel very good is it is it hi uh, hello um, <laughs> can I see the phone and you just feel like you know and it was always like but now you've got it's digital and so you can like get off set and you can walk and you go over to the screens and monitors and you can be like oh I don't really like it can we try it again you know it yeah. just feels like and I don't know whether that's because I've found my confidence and found mm. my voice and I feel that it should be a collaboration between us all and I could be like actually these jeans don't look that great you know so maybe I should change them and I think that if you are starting out that you have to have the confidence um to know that you 
you have a valid opinion when you're shooting something um and I think it took me years to, to find my voice and to be like um excuse me do you think we could stop and have some lunch because I'm really hungry you know because sometimes you just have to keep going keep going keep going and I appreciate that and I appreciate the process of art and when everybody's really in the zone you know sometimes I don't want to stop for lunch and I get that because it does break mm. that flow but I think when it comes to having your confidence and getting the best work that you can do it it you have to feel like yourself and I think that you have to feel your best version of you so if that means changing the, the outfit you know maybe changing the hair then that's what should happen you know yeah and um obviously you know your development in the different eras of the industry you know what sort of changes have surprised you or is you know I feel like people are going back to like being collaborative and being slowing down and being really creative um you know, what are your thoughts on, you know, the whole the Instagram stuff, the influencer and, you know, that sort of make the, the changes, you know, how do you feel of that environment now, like model, what models are going through now? Because you have to have, before you could just walk to a casting and have a portfolio and it's okay, but now yeah. you've got so many other assets now in order to get booked. Are you finding, yeah. finding it well, tough? I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I'm pleased that I was in the industry when I was mm. because I feel like it's very different now. And I think that it's not just about your body of work. It is about your followers and things like that. Because I think agents are like, oh, that's great and everything. But how many followers have you got? You know, so I know that clients are, you know, making that decision not based on solely how you look, which in, in itself is... A strange thing you know when I think back to like being judged on how you look but it's also about your popularity and your and your Instagram followers and you know your engagement and so there's a whole nother world that I don't really understand if I'm honest you know and so I've never had to I've never had to face that but I I, I liked the old process of like lugging my portfolio around and yeah. going and seeing the same photographers all the time and you know, getting on the bus and going to Vogue House day in, day out, just trying to get a job. Um, so, you know, but it but it has changed a lot. And, you know, even when it changed from film to digital, you know, that mm. was a big thing. Um, but I love all the process of the old school films and yeah. the Polaroids and the you know, all of that sort of stuff. So I'm a, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit stuck in my way. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Um, so what do I you... do love Instagram. Don't get me wrong. You I know, know, I love you my gram. And I love that you love sharing and I love that you talk people through your journey and everything. And, you know, what's making you go into the whole self-care thing? Is it because you're going through all this uh, stuff yourself that you're, you know, you're now voicing it out because there's a need out there or... I've always been like a big you know beauty lover and so I and and I I know how it makes me feel when I've you know even just something as simple as like a shower experience if you've got a really lovely new product yeah. or you know dry body brushing or having a bath with candles or aromatherapy and the smells and how that really kind of can change your mood um and I've always loved spas and I always love wellness retreats and it's just part and parcel of who I am and I think it became more obvious in lockdown that we needed to um take a little bit more time and care for ourselves and just to kind of do things that we could at home so then of course self-care Sunday was born out of lockdown and it was out of you know it was just to remind people to because I think initially a lot of people were just like, what is this lockdown madness? How long is it going to be? Let's just stay in our pajamas all day. Let's not even wash our, brush our hair or wash our hair. And I thought, this is going to get dangerous. We're just going to get really um, 
well, we're just going to feel crap about ourselves because we're not going to get out. We're not going to move. We could only move for an hour. So it was like, it was dangerous territory of just becoming quite too, just too sort of lethargic about everything and not bothering. So I was like, okay, what are we going to do? I mean, look at my roots at the moment. But I was like, let, what can we do for, about our hair? What can we do about our hair removal? What can we do about, and it was just sort of trying to every week share something that I thought would enhance, help, you know, other people. And um, it's just kind of developed and evolved, really. And I, it's almost been a year. It's been a year, like, with my Self-Care Sunday series. And I love doing it. And I get, you know, some great, a great connection and engagement with people, with women my age and, and younger and older. Um, so it's been a really lovely platform. And it's given me some purpose. And uh, I get to talk about beauty and stuff that I love and wellness. And and, you've been, and I think it is important. And you've been talking about menopause and sort of ageing mm. and um, surgery and things like that. So... You know, um, what are your views, you know, on, on that? Because I, the audience, you know, everyone is going to go through it sometime. So you're yeah. going through it. So um, I'm not going to say top tips, but, you know, how are you dealing with it and the effects yeah. of it all? You know, well, I mean, I, I know I know firsthand how absolutely shocking you feel when these changes start happening and you, you're not quite sure what's going on all you know is that and, and and this isn't for everybody because everybody's menopause journey and 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 mm. aging journey is different too you know some people sail through it and they don't even have symptoms but from my experience you know that the there's oh God, I don't even know where to start anxiety weight yeah. gain you don't recognize yourself your clothes don't fit you you know you're depressed you've got brain fog you can't think it's like you can't sleep because you're getting night sweats. You can't, you, you, you don't want to do presentations because you are embarrassed because you're, sometimes your brain just goes completely blank and then you'll have these hot flashes and you're just convinced that people are like, is she okay? What's going on with her? And these like sweats come out of nowhere and you're just like pouring with sweat. Um, and so it's, it's really quite unpleasant. And, you know, I think that there's all the other horrible things, you know, like, you know, the estrogen drops out of your body, basically. And that's mm. why you start going through all of these, this anxiety and the night sweats and the weight gain. And, you know, your boobs, like, just go absolutely like tornadoes. And you can't, like, they're so sensitive. And you're like, oh, <laughs> touch me. Um, and then it's just a vicious cycle, really, mm. because you can't sleep because you're waking up all through the night. You want to pee all through the night. Then the next day you want to drink coffee because you need to wake up. And then that impacts on the anxiety even more. And before you know it, it's just, just a nervous wreck. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and then not only that, but like your bone structure of your yeah. face, everything starts to change and your muscle tone as well, oh because God. the estrogen and everything's is is crucial for collagen production. So it's like, it's just like, what's happening to me? And I think it's just really unfair. Um, and there's not enough information out there. And you go to your doctor and he's just like, yeah, you're depressed. Take some antidepressants. Oh and you're like, no, no, no. There's something yeah. much deeper going on. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really tricky. And so I've, I've started this menopause. It's called the Midweek Menopause Madness. And it's just literally just chatting to this wicked doctor. She's great. And um, just all of us girls just sharing our experiences and just sort of going down the different avenues that we can to get yeah. help. But I think just in itself, just highlighting some of these issues that some people might experience is... Um, crucial because it just I've had so many women reach out to me and be like oh my god I've been in tears watching your midweek menopause because it just it was everything I've been going through and yeah. I've never had so many messages in my life from women and it's just you know I I just want people to feel they're 
good. I just, I hate mm. the thought of people suffering. I really do. I'm a real, I've got so much empathy and yeah. compassion. And I think I've always been that person that if I, if I'm going through something and then I've come out the other end and I've experienced it and I know how to not, how to alleviate some of that pain, yeah. I want to share it with people. And so that's basically all it is. It's self-care and it's, it's self-preservation and it's self-love. And I think, you know, that's where it all starts really, because if you can't, you know, if you don't love yourself and you don't feel good in yourself, then you can't be any good to anybody else around you. You know, you can't be there for your children. You can't be there for your partner. You can't be there for your sisters, your family, because you are such a low with yourself. And so I think, you know, to remind ourselves that we need to feel the best version of us. And, you know, that involves all sorts of things, taking care of your mental health, physical health, emotional health. Um, yeah. It's it's a 360 approach. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, what are you doing to sort of help yourself? You know, you're out there helping everyone else, but who's the who's out there going? Are you okay, Lisa? Who's looking after yeah. you? Who's like giving you the the mentorship for to look after yourself? Well, I mean, I do have the most gorgeous supporting partner. So George, my George, yes. you might know him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love him. He loves you. Um yeah, so George is amazing, Mr. George Smart. He um he's he's a good egg. He's a really positive um influence and energy to be around always. Always. I think I've only ever seen him in a bad mood, which is weird, probably about three or four times. And that is in the whole time that we've been together. I mean, I and I wind him up, I really do. And he's got the patience of a saint. And he's very supportive. He's so supportive, exactly. So, you know, I've been able to be very open with him. Um, and he's he's and this is the beginning of the menopause journey as well, where he was just like so like didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. I was crying, could get out of bed some days, I didn't excruciating pain and you know, so so low. Um, and he's just been there through thick and thin. So I think having a supportive network or at least a, a supportive friends, family, partner is so important removing negative people from your life and then that enables you to you know start on this for me it started on this sort of healing journey for myself so doing things that I know benefit me on the day-to-day -day. so even something as simple as just working on breath work and meditation mm. and being more mindful and you know taking it back to being quite calm and starting the day that way is really a beautiful you know journaling yeah. like lots of things you know I'm really into my moon mist and meditation and sage and Paolo Santo and burning frankincense and so I'm always about smells and calming the atmosphere and crystals and you know I've always been a bit like that so I've kind of sort of gravitated back to that way and it's really helped to balance everything but I'm also on the drugs girl I'm on the hormones hardcore <laughs> Sort of drugs here. Okay. Don't be mistaken. I'm definitely on. I'm on the estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. I'm on the. I'm on the hardcore hormone drugs. So you're drugs. so happy um, and positive all the time. Yeah, <laughs> all I know. the smells and <laughs> and all the drugs and everything. You know, it's a brilliant <laughs> collection of good stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that, that's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And so, what's you know, you've done practically everything I can think of, and you're still modelling, still doing the branding, still presenting. Um, what's new for you? What What's next for you? So I am working on my own podcast at the moment. Amazing. So I'm recording it. It's called Get Lifted. And it is literally pretty much everything we've just spoken about. It's about Amazing. sharing, um, delving a little bit deeper. So yeah. whereas my self-care Sunday is more about, I mean, that is that does tackle 
gratitude and manifesting and things like that it's but there is a lot of products in there you know it's a lot of like product-based um chat and you know but this one is a little bit more um geared towards breath work and i'm speaking to healers and amazing people that i'm having on so that you know great guests that know a lot in their field and it's like sleep and meditation and hormones there'll be a hormone one or two um and it's just yeah it's just everything i love everything i'm curious about and you know tapping into techniques that we can all kind of implement into our lives that's just going to help us feel the best we can feel and uh just re-educate people and me because i'm still learning every day mm. um to just be happier and healthier really so amazing i'll definitely be tuning in for that Thank um you. so just sort of a final word from you um advice for your younger self advice for my younger self or something I maybe think, you wish you knew someone yeah. told you you know i think that there is always an instinctive intuition that we all have so we all know when we're in a situation that doesn't serve us, right? Mm. We get that gut instinct. We get that feeling that it goes, mm, I don't know if I want to be here. I don't know if I like this person. I don't know if this is right for me. And I wish that I would have listened to that um, a lot more in my life. I wish I would have been like, Shh, I knew that wasn't, I knew he was a bad, you know, like it was just those. So I feel like always trust your intuition, intuition, that gut instinct. It's always right so listen to it trust that you have the power to make that decision don't be talked into things that don't feel right to you because people are so convincing when they want to be so listen to what listen to what is to your gut is telling you and just trust that you're going to be okay just have that trust and that's what i'd say to my younger self and i'd give her a big old squeeze and tell her that she's going to be so loved and that she is loved and that she's going to have a really good life Oh, I love that. <laughs> You're so cute. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for sharing all that. And uh, I feel the hugs already. And um, oh, thank you so much for your time, Lisa. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing your podcast as well. So I know we'll be sharing each other's podcasts. So um, excellent. Yes. So um, hopefully I shall see you soon for more collaborations and. Just loved all your insights and thank you so much again. Thank you, Lan. Thank you. I love you lots. You too. Kisses, girlfriend. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>